Hello, and welcome back to Stand Partners for Life. We are so glad to have you back with us. I'm Nathan Cole. I'm Akiko Taramoto. And today we are going to talk once again about auditions, but the very beginning of an audition, how, how you read about an opening, decide to take the audition, what the announcement looks like, basically just starting at the very beginning of the process. And uh, do you know why that's on my mind? I know you do, because we've been talking about couldn't it. couldn't be speaking about the New York Phil audition coming up. Five openings. I, is it five? Five. Uh, huh? uh, think so yeah yeah that is what i heard um yes the new york philharmonic has again announced violin auditions and yeah five vacancies um and we'll we'll talk about those multiple opening auditions a little later but yeah that got my wheels turning because they they actually and i like this they've announced it on the early side the audition is not going to happen until uh september i believe you know so that gives Anybody who's looking to take the audition, plenty of time to get their ducks in a row and do their prep work and all that. Um, sometimes you'll you'll see these announcements in the union paper and it's like, oh, the audition's happening in six weeks. Uh, we hope you're interested. And that's barely enough time to find all the music and make your uh, book your hotel. So, I don't know. Do you appreciate the New York Phil for doing this? Um, yeah, it's, you know... Uh... It's hard for me to say I appreciate I appreciate the New York Phil audition because uh, why is that not not one that was ever very friendly to me <laughs> results wise. How many uh, <laughs> how many times did you audition in New York? Oh, outing me on the air here, um, I think it was three. Yeah, well, some orchestras just yeah seem to have one's number for whatever reason and yeah we'll talk about that too. <laughs> but in this case, you know, it's big established orchestra announcing their audition well in advance and that gives uh, us a chance to talk about it and anybody who's interested time to look into it and a few years ago when they had their audition you know i had this idea to to run a challenge and i called it the new york phil audition challenge so some of you guys may have been well not listening because we didn't have a podcast but you may have been following along back then in the summer of 2015, I think it was. And if you were there for that, then thanks for sticking around uh, all the way till now. But if you weren't there, basically I took anybody who was interested week by week through my process. And, you know, I made videos on the various excerpts that were going to be asked in the preliminary round. And I asked people to, if they were interested in really following along to record themselves and to send me the videos, to upload the videos. Now I didn't give anybody any feedback on those, but a lot of people liked the accountability and kind of a, a look into the, the way I would prep for an audition. So I think that was 14 weeks out is when I started that process. And, um, it was a lot of fun, but I've been thinking that it would be nice to give the people who are really interested uh, actual 
personal feedback. Um, so that's something I'm looking at doing this time around. So if you want to stay in the loop for that, um, go to sp4l.com. So it's kind of like Stand Partners for Life. sp4l.com slash New York 2018. And kind of keep up with, with what I'm planning because I don't even know exactly what it's going to be yet. Do you think you'll be involved in that a little bit? Yeah, I think so. I, I don't know if you're <laughs> inviting me. To... I am inviting, I'm pressuring you here on the air to, right. to be a part right, of it. I'm in. All right, nice. The key goes into um, sp4l.com slash New York 2018. Well, what went through your mind or you know what goes through your mind when you see an opening announced in an orchestra that you're interested in and you know who isn't interested in new york okay so i'm trying to think what let me think when i did not have a job at all when i was a student i never thought about the city when i was you know i was a student i was looking around at listings i wasn't picky like oh i would never live in you know los angeles (laughs) um for example (laughs) random example um yeah i so that never factored into it um and it never occurred to me that I couldn't get one of those jobs. Like, you know, I, I would never look at a listing and say, ooh, that's too big a job. Well, unless, you know, if it had been like, you know, a concertmaster of a top five orchestra, I'm sure I would have not been interested. But, you know, other than that, like there wasn't like an, an orchestra that I thought, well, I don't belong in that orchestra. So that didn't factor in. And why not the concertmaster stuff just you weren't it's hard to remember i mean i i I definitely had a high enough opinion of myself back then (laughs) that i would i i I can't imagine just being like oh i can't do that but i i know i just think i think i knew that wasn't really my my bag yeah and i I, yeah i just don't think i've ever thought of myself as a really a strong enough player again i know those jobs go to should go to like soloists you know well we can debate that another podcast episode but um mm. yeah I don't, I don't actually remember saying that's not a job i i would audition for but you know i sort of factor in like you know big orchestra good salary that kind of thing um and well, location i mean i, I auditioned for new jersey new jersey symphony you know, while you're I in wanted, school in new york yeah because i wanted to i wanted to live in the new york area right well and, and you're position in life too i mean you were willing to go anywhere and your priorities were you wanted a an orchestra that made music at the level you wanted to make music and so you weren't eliminating 90 percent of the orchestras but i'm i know there were some where you just felt like i you wouldn't really enjoy the job on a day-to-day basis and so you were you were only going to audition for the places where you you felt like you were going to have that's true. Although Fulfillment. I, I really don't remember. I, I pretty much sent my resume to most of the openings that happened because you know, I had a pretty small window there where I was hoping to get a job because I don't know if you remember my story about my, my mom insisting that I go to law school if I didn't have a job at the time of graduation. <laughs> that is a great motivator and not everyone will necessarily have heard that story. But yeah, you basically had, I mean, you had your two years of grad school at Juilliard with Mr. Dick DeRoe. Yeah, and from you know, job. from the time that I decided to go to a music school for my masters, my mom said, That's okay, but here's the deal. So I think I, I was pretty open to any 
opening that was available. I, I do remember sending my resume to, to National Symphony and, and preparing, but for some reason I, I, I felt unprepared or something. I ended up not going. Okay. Um, so that, that did happen. And of course I regret that because, you know, I'd love, now I know, I, I think I hadn't really been to DC, but you know, I love DC and would have been a great job. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't think that I really discriminated. I think it had more to do with my circumstance, which is that I, I needed to get a job and that I was really young and, it, and, you know, everything seemed like an exciting opportunity and everything seemed like it was going to be fun and, and novel. Yeah. And, you know, in a way it is, I mean, it's, it is great to get paid to do what you love. So there may be a lot of folks out there looking at every job that comes open because, you know, you just want an opportunity to play music for a living. And at what point do you, what would make you say, you know what, I'm not, I can't take this audition because I'm not ready. Like, how would you know? See, in your circumstance, you were studying with the concertmaster of the New York Philharmonic. So you had week by week feedback and you know you were you were basically getting the green light to take whatever auditions you wanted although you said there were certain positions you didn't feel you were matched up to but let's say that someone's not you know maybe they're out of school or maybe the person they're studying with the people they're working with don't feel comfortable making those recommendations about what auditions are appropriate how how do you know what to take what not to take well i guess Maybe you look at the ones, if you have taken any so far, um, one way is to look at your most recent results and see you know, which orchestras those were, um, how they went, how you felt, how, how you responded to the audition environment. If you felt like it you know, made a pretty strong showing or, um, or if it felt you know too overwhelming and maybe you wanted to look at an orchestra that was maybe smaller or has a you know, smaller list, less demanding, maybe that kind of thing. That's true. Cause that is a big factor. How much music is on the list? Cause I've, I've known people who've done quite well in auditions, even if they've never taken them before when the list was kind of modest, because then they could come into it. You know, they had a pocket of time. They didn't know any of the music going in, but they were able to prepare all of it really well because it wasn't such a vast collection of excerpts. So that's a good point. Yeah. And I think most people feel more comfortable with that kind of setup. Sure. I remember my first audition was St. Louis and they just, they sent a packet, I think with almost every excerpt in it. So that was your packet. And it was already, it was they actually collected a the great, music for you. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I, is that right? I mean, it seems great. I mean, you know, I just basically put, you know, some hole punches in it and stuck it in a binder. <laughs> and that was my, I feel like more orchestras do book. that now. Yeah. And it was, it was great. And, and the excerpts were really contained and it was, it was just a great first audition. Cause it was like, I hadn't thought to do certain things, you know, to prepare logistically and they were kind of done for me. And that was really, and plus the other sort of, it was like, here's what you need to do. This is, this is, it was very <laughs> clearly laid out. You just come in, you play the stuff. Yeah. These, these you know, 10 lines and then that's the excerpt. <laughs> yeah. It's not always given that clearly, is it? Looking at you, Boston. <laughs> yeah, Boston is notorious for requesting, requiring entire large pieces such as Brahms' Fourth Symphony, which is, I don't know how many pages, that 20, 25 pages of first violin madness. Uh, 25 pages now. 20? 
No. Really? Not even 20? I mean, the first 16? movement's got to be six, at least. Six? The first movement? Right, we, we, we're going to have to... Okay, I'm I'm breaking out the part after Take, this, but yeah. But even if it's only fifth, next I mean, podcast will have the answer. <laughs> Don Juan is only seven pages, right? And okay, and they were they required all of Don Juan too, right? So all even right. if we it's say it's a lot of pages, regardless. Yeah, and all of Beethoven three, I think. Mm-hmm. And when you, it that uh, just reminds me of the the very first person that I saw really prepare a big time audition from start to finish was our, our good friend, Bertrand Tang. And so in his last year at Curtis and he's from Philly. So it was the hometown audition. His first and only right? big pressure. Yeah. <laughs> he's batting a thousand. <laughs> so you already I know, know you're the story out there, Bertrand. Ends, yeah. Actually, I'm going to see Bertrand uh, tomorrow oh, yeah. or no in two days. Um, David Kim orchestral Institute out there in Philly. So I'll, I'll check in with our friend Bertrand, but yeah, in his last year at Curtis, he auditioned for Philly and really, you know, really wanted the job. So started early, did all the steps. And at one mock audition, he got a couple of us violinists to listen to his list. And I remember Suvin Kim, who was violinist in our quartet, <laughs> the two of us were supposed to be listening. And I, Bertrand was, you know, behind the screen practicing. We had the big stack of music and we were supposed to decide which parts to ask. And so I said, well, since I don't really know these viola excerpts, we'll just look in here for, you know, the pages that have all the bowings and fingerings. And yeah, that's when Suvin said, no, we're going to look for the pages that have no bowings and fingerings. Ask those. So evil Suvin. Um, But yeah, actually that kind of thing happens in boston sometimes that not necessarily because they're trying to play tricks but well yeah if you're taking the boston audition anytime in the next whenever make sure you <laughs> next what is that? <laughs> they definitely are not as interested in the first page of don juan as you might hope and that's right look at page <laughs> that's all I'll say. five page seven what i feel like all the hard pages are the odd numbered ones for some reason but yeah all of brahms four means all of brahms four all of beethoven three means just that if you're taking the New York Phil audition, practice your cadenzas. And that's, you know, that's a question I get all the time as someone who helps prepare people for auditions. They're like, now it says first movement with cadenza. Are they really going to hear the cadenza? And I'm like, how do I know? I mean, the way I answer it is always, do you want to, do you want to practice for two or three months and then show up and have them ask the cadenza and you didn't practice it? I mean, do you want that to be yeah, the... But they'll probably ask it. <laughs> less of an unknown than some other places, yeah, I would say. New York. You'd be dumb to go in. Well, you'd be dumb to go into any audition not knowing all the music, but... Yeah, um... whatever's on the list, have it prepared. Well, and you mentioned, but before you talked about the list, you mentioned a couple other variables which are good. This is all in the topic of how to know whether you should or shouldn't take a certain audition. You mentioned what's happened recently, how you felt and what your results were. Now, the problem is with a lot of auditions, the result is either you got it or you didn't. And sometimes you don't get much more feedback than that. Well, you know, another sort of embarrassing truth about my auditions is that I was always too, and still I'm never really interested in comments, which is you know, a huge weakness on my part, but it's, you know, it's a psychological problem with me. I just, I can't handle this done. <laughs> just walk away. You know, I know it wasn't good. Can we just yeah. leave it at that? So, um, yeah, I'm one of those people. And, um, see, so yeah, I, I didn't, I never had 
feedback on on how things went. Well, and sometimes it's really not that valuable either, to be honest. I mean, I always, when I'm listening to auditions, it was like this in Chicago and, and here in LA too. I, I always keep notes because people will ask, but surprisingly few people ask. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, I, I do think in hindsight, it was really stupid. I mean, I, because I didn't record myself till we talked about, you know, it was at least two auditions in probably. And, um, you're talking about recording yourself three. during I, preparation, not recording the actual Right, audition. recording myself in practice and then our mock auditions. And then, you know, I think I would have, if I just manned up and faced the truth and had somebody tell me, you've been rushing all this time, you know, you sound, you're very edgy. And, you know, Mr. Dicker even told me and I was like, yeah, yeah, I know I was edgy, but maybe you hear it from like <laughs> six different people, like, like edgy, rushing, edgy, you know, then finally you're like, hey, you know, this is not... Well, that's the thing is that you need some, some kind of consistency to the feedback. In that case, it, of course, it's, it can be really helpful. Then. Yeah. I mean, if I remember speaking of Boston again, they used to have a system where all their committee members would hand in their notes at the end of the audition day to their personnel manager or to their audition coordinator. And then anybody who called in for notes would have them read by the audition coordinator. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I remember for one excerpt, I got the exact same feedback from every single committee member who had taken notes. So then I know, I I know what the feedback was. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, Schubert too. Yeah, Schubert too is too slow. So oh, to this too day, slow, was it? okay. Yeah, mine so, was too slow. Getting back to the topic of, yeah, I remember once looking at a list, and this is all you know, twenty-four-year-old Akiko or whatever. So, who knows what validity to? A couple her, years ago. Twenty. That's right. Yeah, you know, I remember looking at a list and thinking, I think it was a Chicago list. And I thought, um, you know, this looks like a list that of stuff that I play well. You know, so I got a, I so, you know, I, I looked at the listing, thought, you know, there's a good orchestra with a good opening. And I, um, and you know, I got the list and I thought, like, these are big pieces. You know, these are like kind of meaty, loud. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I thought, I, I think I play that stuff better than you know for example when i got the philly list i already kind of knew i was in a little bit of trouble because <laughs> that was like I, I knew i was gonna have to you know reveal some side of my playing that i wasn't altogether comfortable so with. Weird. i feel like you talked yourself out of that though. well i you know who knows in hindsight that's that's my opinion maybe at the time i was like ah, i'm gonna really gonna kick ass and then i went there and it was the opposite but um so yeah i mean philly as you know beethoven won the, the great the great sorter of audition candidates and uh and certainly you know claimed me as a victim so there's that i mean you can sometimes you can get a look at a list and and get a feel for if if it's just loaded with extremely soft you know spiccato playing and you feel like that's not your forte well that's true you know i, I mean it's gonna be a rare list that doesn't include some of that Sure, All some, them. but if it seems like a disproportionate number of, like, yeah. scherzos, yeah. you know, maybe... <laughs> you got Mendelssohn scherzo, a bunch of Schubert, Schumann scherzo, Mozart, yeah, and Mendelssohn. I mean, you sorry, know, I, I mean, not that anybody would... I don't think anyone would actually be like, well, I'm not going to take this audition. But for me, it was... It ended up being pretty accurate. It was like, yeah, you are not going to fit in 
super well at this audition slash orchestra. Yeah, I mean, it, it, in fact, I almost, I wish that orchestra's lists would reveal more about the orchestras themselves. And the, and the good ones do, right? I mean, I think that, you know, Chicago had some good lists. That Actually, really, yeah. Because in hindsight, that was like a perfect snapshot of, of the orchestra's overall repertoire yeah, and, the, and the way that, that, that you're expected to play in the section. Yeah, we've got mm-hmm. Harry Potter on our list. We had it the last time around. Anyway. I mean, and you know, the the Chicago list reflects that, you know, the, the orchestra has a great I- idea of what their sound is and what they're looking forward to. Yeah. Well, I I hope that in the future, as orchestras get more confident about, you know, who they're going to be as groups and what the group identity is going to be and the players that they want, I do hope that lists would reflect that even more. Um, cause I think that would be great if people could look at lists and say, yeah, this is, this would be a great fit for me. This would not just, oh, what does this orchestra pay? And, you know, can I be competitive now? I mean, to that issue of, can I be competitive? What do you think of that? This is an idea that I've thrown out to people sometimes before. If you're wondering about a certain orchestra, a certain audition, look at, the most recent hires look them up on youtube see how they play and no 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 who would do that well i mean someone you know i'm talking about someone who has no idea as to whether they might take a certain audition i mean okay i see what you mean because if if you look those people up you see how they play and your first reaction is like oh my you know wow, I could never do what they're doing. This, I'm, but this then, really requires a certain clarity and self-awareness that I'm not even sure. Well, but you you had that indirect feedback. Well, I mean, you had direct feedback week to week from right. the concertmaster of the New York Phil, but not everybody has that. And so if you're really just kind of out there in the dark, like what's the level? Because people see. ask me all the time, what's the level going to be at this audition? And I don't know how to answer that except to say, look at the recent winners now we don't have recordings of their auditions, but at least you can see. Yeah, I'm kind of stumped. I don't know. I, 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 I know what you mean, but I think playing for someone is a better indication, right? Well, like, and that is. I mean, that's part of my motivation for wanting to take people through the prep for this one. You know, to to help answer that question. You know, and many more. Because I agree. I mean, obviously, nothing beats just direct feedback from someone who, you know, whose, whose opinion matters and carries some weight and comes from experience. But I can see you don't agree, at least at first. A lot of my opinions, as I said, they come from the dark ages. So, you know, this wasn't even an option for me back in the day. So perhaps this is like how people do it these days. You know? Well, back in the day, it would have been, you know, like when you were looking at St. Louis, you might have heard through the grapevine, oh, so-and-so got to finals here and so-and-so didn't advance and oh no i think it was just it's happening in (laughs) may (laughs) and i'm free then so i'll be there (laughs) well maybe it's best not to worry too much whether you should take an audition i'm sure i ran it by mr dicker and he said that's fine or something (laughs) and just do it do it So on that note, then, to how how do you do it? I wanted to look in a little bit of detail at this New York 
um, what they call their audition packet, which right now at the time of this recording... stomach is in knots already. What's that? My stomach is in knots already. (laughs) (laughs) When we're recording this, they haven't actually set the repertoire yet. So yeah, dear violin applicant, (laughs) applicant, supplicant... (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, the the big piece of information, Monday, July 23rd, 2018, that's when resumes are due. So you've got to send them the resume by July 23rd. That's when you're you're in or you're out. And I assume that means you have to submit uh, some kind of deposit as well. Maybe they don't say. But Weird, anyway, that, know, that's the point at which you have to decide. Maybe the deposit is so, you know... And that date is, I've, I've done the calculations, but now I forget. It's either six or seven weeks before the audition, the prelim audition date itself. Um, now, I personally think you need to decide for yourself sooner than that, if you're going to really prepare the stuff. But I mean, you know, six, seven weeks, you can still do it. But anyway, that's the, that's their date. And by then you have to have officially declared yourself in or not. Um, so July 23rd is the, the resume date. Now they say one page resume. We know that resumes for this stuff should always be one page and maybe just a tiny detour onto resumes. What, what do those need to say? What do those need to show? What they shouldn't show is, uh, is every result of every audition you've ever taken, um, or any information like about your high school yeah <laughs> orchestra <laughs> it's a professional resume and you know honestly not everybody has professional full-time jobs to put on there so the number the number one rule is honesty transparency right because nothing makes <laughs> big orchestra people matter than detecting bs well, yeah, but I mean, if you outright lie, not, I mean, it's, it's going to be pretty hard to figure that out. So if you, if you want to go right, ahead and lie, it's more make like it a big one. Putting, I guess what I'm talking about is like listing a big orchestra at the top of your resume. And then in the fine print, you're, you subbed with them once. And if, if that is really all you have, then maybe you lead with that. But maybe you lead with, you know, your school, your teacher. I mean, I, I think let the person looking at the resume get a true snapshot of you right off the bat. So if you're in school, if you're right out of school, you know, the top of your resume, I think, unless you have professional experience is just what your degree is and who your teachers are. And then people know this is a student studied with so-and-so. Well, the nice thing about this audition is that they're not screening Right. Based on your resume, which I, I'm not a huge fan of. Um, that happens here in LA and I, I'm not a, not a fan. I don't, I don't think that's fair because what happens is you get people trying to vie for attention via the resume, which as we just said is irritating, leads to, you know, half truths and, yeah, and you know, I just, I just, and you know, and in the end we have, we have pretty strict parameters, parameters about how they choose, you know, it's, it's based on the school but then if it's not school, then it's like, I don't know. Anyway, so in this case, you won't have to worry about that, which is nice. Right. In this in this case, really, I mean, it's a formality, but some for some people, even just the commitment it takes to put together a resume and send it off is too much. But they're not going to take the audition just based on that. Hmm. Because it's somehow putting that together and sending it out is too much 
self-examination to, you know, they, they put together the resume. They don't like what they see and they, they, their confidence is shot and they don't want to go through with it. So I guess it does. It's a process that takes confidence. So if yeah. you're in short supply, then yeah, I don't know. So if you're interested, then you just, you put together your resume. Maybe this is something we should make an episode about. Putting together your resume. You know, a lot of people have questions about it. Okay. You know, what should be on it? And Okay. So Monday, July 23rd. Next paragraph. It is assumed that applicants will accept employment with the New York Philharmonic. If you will not accept employment, please do not participate in this audition process. I guess they put that in for legal reasons or maybe just no, so they have something like to point legally at. binding. I think they just want to make it clear that you're a jerk if you were just taking us yeah. on a lark or if you're like trying to wring, you know, a few more dollars out of your Yeah, it's weird. Orchestra. I mean, most of the people who would take this on a lark I would think would not be the kind of people that could win it, but, but it has happened. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that language is in there, especially for principal positions. Sure. Where, where people are trying to get their dollars up. Right. Someone takes the New York Philharmonic audition just so they can go to their current orchestra and say, Hey, I got this. So pay me more. And we're not, that's not going to be the case for a section violin opening. So, now, the next paragraph is maybe the most interesting. You have the choice of playing a live preliminary audition in New York or sending a recording of the preliminary audition. The repertoire is the same for both options. This is very interesting because I've actually never participated in an audition where this was an option. This is kind of the times they are a change in. Yeah, I mean, that's completely new to me. I remember having to make a recording just to get an audition in Boston, but that was a different scenario obviously yeah i think orchestras have done that for 15 20 years yeah if someone's resume didn't you know speak highly enough of them then an orchestra might ask them to make a recording to speak for them basically and then if the recording was good enough they could come and play a prelim but in this case the recording is the prelim audition and so if your recording passes muster basically then you're on the same footing you're invited to the live semi-final audition that the people who played the live prelim and passed but if you if they in. reject your recorded prelim you're not free to show up for the no live. then you can't okay. play a live prelim um because that used to they used to do something somewhere right where it was like you can submit a recording and if it's rejected you can like show up anyway or something oh. maybe i'm thinking of something different but um, okay, so that's important to note that if you if you are not advanced, you cannot go on. Yeah, so what I mean, what do you think of that? Just to pause there opens it up to a lot more people, right? Because now you don't have to commit to you don't have to be free during the prelim audition week or day. Right. You don't have to make any travel arrangements. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about audition nerves, right? Right. You can make a recording. Although, of your, course, everybody knows that recording things is kind of a double-edged sword. Of course it is. Yeah, I mean, we're not going <laughs> to leave the topic without mentioning that. But there are people who say, you know, I would love to audition for, you know, Orchestra X, but my nerves are just so terrible I could never pass an audition, especially sure. a first round where it's all about perfection. We hear that a lot, and... I know that neither of us quite agrees with that, but yeah, I mean, you, you know, know, looking if, at this, it's like, well, maybe I would have been able to 
<laughs> conquer those, you know, first round jitters. I could have done this. Yeah. Maybe I should apply. Well, now you have to imagine that the standard for a recorded prelim is going to be higher. Sure. I mean, e- even if nobody says that outright, that has to be, it's going to be true. The standard for a recording audition, then really you talk about no imperfections are going to be <laughs> tolerated really because people had unlimited time to, to make this recording. So I think that's what you're up against if you want to make the recording. Well, I think you're right. It's going to favor strong players who have trouble with nerves. So it's something to consider. Um, and honestly, I don't know. Already I've had several people ask me, would you do the recording? Would you go? I mean, for myself, and maybe it's just an old-fashioned thing or it's what I'm used to, I would go if I could. Well, that's you. I mean, yeah. I mean, I see that. I think that well, you, and, and you actually feel that playing more rounds is better for your overall presentation. Well, I think that when they're very close together, I mean, if I know the prelim, semi, and final are all going to happen in the same week, then I would rather play more on that stage during that week and, you know, have the semifinal be the second time I'm appearing on that stage rather than the first. But if they're separated... Yeah, for me, I mean, for me, it's really just like the last time out there, the better. (laughs) Well, so it's, it's an interesting question and I, you know, my advice to anybody listening would be not to over strategize this. Um, I mean, I think it's fair to say the standard's going to be higher for the recorded audition and that you have to get some really great takes on your recording if you're hoping to get advanced for an audition like New York. Whereas if you play live, certainly some imperfections have to be forgiven because it's a live audition. And I think any competent committee knows that. And a committee that we've been part of knows that. But if you can't make it at that date, if you feel that nerves are just, you know, the biggest thing standing in your way, then I think the recording's a a viable option. And it's certainly, you know, with the the way I'm going to take people through the preparation, that would be something that I could advise on. Because you can, it's not like you have to make your recording the day before the deadline you can make it whenever and that's something i could give people feedback on so it's certainly something to consider um but yeah nothing that we ever had to deal with the recorded audition must be submitted by monday september 10th and you'll be notified of the results no later than wednesday september 19th so september 10th that's the deadline for the, the recording. So that's kind of the time frame we're looking at. So it's quite a bit in advance. I see. Oh, it's the semis around the 30th. Mm-hmm. Okay. I understand. How, how are you supposed to buy your ticket between the 19th and the 30th? You mean if you advance at the live audition? At the recorded audition. Well, or either one, really. That's true. To me, it's always a little annoying when prelims and semis and finals are separated well, let's see, because the live prelims, it's possible you could request a date, the latest date, and still have it contained within one week. Or even, you know, the, the last two dates. Yeah. Maybe they figure it's New York and you'll you'll do it, we say. Yeah. I mean, I that's sort of where I think anybody who has to be back to their job within, you know, it's still that they've scheduled it in such a way that that's possible, which I find very considerate, actually. 
yeah they're not spreading it out over you to three weeks you know block out three weeks to you know and they they don't make any other way possible so that's you know bravo new york (laughs) but i do i'm i'm a little confused about if you hear it if you get if you're recorded prelim advance you know gets advanced you then have to somehow find a ticket to new york by the 30th that is true and we have not to indict them for this necessarily but it's like you know there yeah as you said there can be occasionally in la too there are things that sometimes about the scheduling that smack a little bit of a a bias toward people who live in the area unintentionally or not well to a certain extent every orchestra's audition favors people who live around there because it's always easier for those people to get there sure i i think that chicago when i took it i felt that it was done well because it was like the prelims were all contained you know it was, it was weird because it was like separated by months between the prelims and finals but um but that's how it was so it didn't i don't think that it really favored anybody that's true i mean and chicago has for a long time had the most democratic audition process where at least you know just looking at the way it works the machinery it looks the most fair to the most people. Sure. In that Except anybody people can play. Who feel that they play their best in the sixth minute of their audition. <laughs> Since the, the application in Chicago used to clearly state um, your audition may be as short as five minutes. Right. And, and, you know, it would always be five minutes, but <laughs> maybe not more than that. All right. Finals, Monday, October 1st. Live auditions, except for finals, will be held behind a screen. That's pretty standard, right? So if you go and play the live prelim, it's behind a screen. Same as, I mean, if you send a recording, that's listened to anonymously as well. Now, we don't know if the people listening to the recordings are the exact same people who will hear the live auditions, but they can really, I mean, they can do that any way they want. We assume that it's some of the same people, but again, the recorded ones would be held to a higher standard just because you've got unlimited time to do it and uh, finalists may be required to play with new york phil for a period of time as part of the final audition process i mean that's just that's a trial which um not always or not really standard for a section position but um... right it would be surprising if they yeah if the audition ended that way requiring a trial for a section position i think or? some orchestras are doing that more and more though right san francisco often does uh, right um, and european orchestras that's i mean they would never hire someone right without having them do a trial for most american orchestras the section stuff is just decided at the audition but reimbursement of travel expenses paid to those who advance to the final but not this, not the semifinal. <laughs> Unable to reimburse expenses booked via credit card rewards, points, or programs. So if you make the finals, make sure you just pay it. Don't book with points. All right. That's a real, <laughs> it's a real esoteric concern there. Uh, no responsibility in obtaining work permits. I mean, in my uh, people that I've known, I mean, if you win such an audition, you're able to join the orchestra, but times change they don't want to guarantee that if you're yeah a citizen of whatever country they're definitely going to get you out of your military obligation or whatever so that's mostly boilerplate 
electronics disclaimer. You like this when you read it. Yeah. Yeah, I like this because uh, it was the term burner kept popping into my popping into my head. <laughs> burner. Because I watched so much House of Cards and, you know. Oh, and Homeland. Yeah, that, but I feel like for some reason House of Cards, they're always using Actually burners, right, yeah. right? I mean, ha- Homeland also, but yeah, I, I, maybe I hadn't really heard that term before, House of Cards, so. Well, let's read what we're talking about. Electronic communication and possession of electronic devices such as smartphones and tablets is not permitted. Mobile phones and tablets will be collected in the personnel office upon candidate's arrival. So bring your old phone that you don't use anymore. That's right. (laughs) In the event of emergency, applicants may make a phone call with an orchestra personnel representative in attendance. And he... And (laughs) honestly, this makes sense. I mean, I, I, I... Yeah, it does. This day and age, even, and to be honest, on our side of the screen as well, when we're listening to What do they do, auditions. though? They're not going to cut off cell phone service to the dressing rooms where people are hanging out. I mean, No, they're going to take your phones. Yeah, but as I just pointed out. Well, maybe they have metal detectors. Maybe they do strip searches now. <laughs> Body cavity TSA, searches. <laughs> TSA situation coming yeah, in. Okay. I um, mean, to make light of this policy, which you're, you're right, is, you know, sound in theory, but just, it's, you know, it's one of those things that's just difficult to enforce. So, Yeah, certainly. But it's in there. Well, let's look at the last page before we sign off here. Um, and this is the specification sheet for the recording, which is a, probably a big enough topic that we'll, we'll talk about it um, next time. But basically... You've got some pretty strict guidelines for your recording. They even recommend certain microphones, hmm. which I looked up and they're, you know, they're in the $1,000 to $2,000 range. I mean, probably not mics that everybody's going to have lying around. But I think the what's important there is the overall message that if you expect to compete with a recording, you know, it needs to sound like a professional recording, not necessarily a CD but you know you you won't be making this recording on your smartphone you know with your friend who just brings something over to your garage some thought has and to that's go that's where your the... name goes on the tracks which I thought was supposed to be a blind audition but okay yeah maybe that's just for personnel i have to think that the people listening are going to be listening anonymously sure but yeah it doesn't specifically say that but that would be my assumption so yeah, they've got some very sensible recommendations for where to put the mics and all this, make the recording in a suitably quiet environment. And yeah, no piano accompaniment, play the rep, which they haven't given yet, play the rep in the order listed. And, you know, you've got to label it well. Anyway, there are various considerations for if you're making a recording and that I'll go into certainly for the people that I'm helping prepare for the audition, but we can talk about making recordings later because I know we've both done that. So if you want to be part of whatever I've got planned, or if you, if you just want to follow along, because actually, you know, the first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to do a couple of live broadcasts from the garage here in Pasadena and just invite anybody who wants to listen in. You can listen live. Maybe I'll have a way that you can listen after the fact, but well, not just listen, but, you know, be a part of the event because I'll have my violin there in the garage and we'll just kind of go into more detail into what we're talking about here. And 
it'll be a nice chance to talk about the process and talk about how to prepare and hear a little playing maybe if that interests you and you want to talk with me or talk with us about prepping this audition or any other audition uh, definitely go to sp4l.com slash new york 2018 then for those who are really interested certainly um, i have plans to spend some more time with those folks and really get them ready to make a nice recording or go to new york and play their best so does that sound like a good idea to you yes and uh are you going to keep sharing your wisdom audition wisdom with anybody who asks i'm i'm here (laughs) all right well thanks so much again for being here with us and next time we're going to talk more about the middle of the audition process the the preparation and how we actually practice this was all about this was everything except for the actual practicing for the audition so i think next time we'll delve more deeply into what we actually do with the violin how we prep those excerpts and concertos to sound their best on audition day so we look forward to seeing your next episode of stand partners for life <laughs>